Wednesday, August 15th, 2012, episode number 12 of the Football Nation Today podcast with Alex Reamer on footballnation.com. Episode number 12 of the Football Nation Today podcast with yours truly, Alex Reamer, available on footballnation.com. And for download in the iTunes Store, please subscribe to the Football Nation Today podcast in the iTunes Store. If you have yet to do so, we were off last week, took a brief vacation. Hopefully you all survived without the program last week, and here we are this week. And until the tail end of the NFL regular season, every week right here, on footballnation.com. Big show planned for you. NFL training camp in full swing. The second week of preseason games set to begin. We have a lot of news and notes to discuss from the first week of preseason games and other news and notes from NFL training camps across the league. In our first down segment this week, we're going to welcome on Shalise Manzi Young, Patriots beat writer for the Boston Globe. Shalise and I went back and forth for a general AFC overview next week as we continue our NFL season previews. We'll talk about the NFC and we'll give you a general NFC overview. So that's what you have to look forward to in the first down segment this week, an AFC overview with Shalise Manzi-Young of the Boston Globe. Second down segment, we talk about the biggest off-field NFL story of the week. And it undoubtedly is the replacement officials and the atrocious job they're doing. And what's even more atrocious than the atrocious job the replacement officials are doing in these preseason games is the fact that NFL executives this week have said they're prepared to open the regular season with these replacement officials. Now, I was totally wrong on this story. I thought the labor dispute between the NFL referees and the NFL owners would be resolved rather quickly. And even if it wasn't resolved rather quickly, I thought these replacement officials would be capable of doing a respectful job. I envisioned, and I was totally wrong on this, That a lot of these replacement officials would be referees from the SEC, referees from the Big Ten, you know, referees from the ACC even. You know, really experienced, capable football officials. (laughs) I was totally wrong because, as is the case in most labor disputes, the scabs are not the next guys in line. No, those guys have a future to protect. In the 94 baseball strike, the scabs weren't the top prospects. The scabs were guys... In the low minor leagues, the scabs were guys playing independent baseball. The scabs were guys who, if it were not for a labor dispute, would have no shot in hell of playing regularly at the Major League Baseball level. And the same can be said for these replacement officials. These replacement referees are from Division I AA. One of them, at least, that we know of was fired from the Lingerie Football League. These guys are jokes. And they're refereeing horribly. And players are speaking out. Coaches are speaking out. It's an ugly situation. We'll talk about that in the second down segment. Then in the third down segment, it's the big up slowdown. Talking about a couple of major stories from the past week, including Adrian Peterson potentially rushing back from ACL surgery. And then in our fourth down segment, it's the Remorant. Have a good one for you this week. Chad Johnson on Hard Knocks last week called his shot, saying he would get arrested on his off day. Well, would you know, Chad Johnson got arrested on his off day. But, fortunately, for the citizens of the United States of America, this latest fiasco involving Chad Johnson and his wife, Eve Lozada, 
will not aid the Chad Johnson slash Chad Ochocinco brand. No. It's going to hinder the brand and hinder it greatly. Thank God. We'll talk about that in the fourth down segment. It's Football Nation today on footballnation.com. We'll be right back with Shalise Manzi-Young of the Boston Globe. Welcome back to the Football Nation Today podcast. Here we go to our first down segment where, where we talk about the biggest on-field NFL story of the week. And since we're just a mere weeks away from the start of the regular season, figured we'd start some of our NFL preview. This week we go with a general AFC overview. And to help us with that, this segment, we bring on Shalise Manzi-Young, Patriots beat writer for the Boston Globe. Shalise, how are you? Always great to talk with you. Hey, Alex, how are you doing? I am doing well. Again, we're talking with Shalise Manzi-Young, Boston Globe, here in Football Nation today. So, Shalise, my first question to you does have to do with the Patriots. Over or under 18 and a half wins for the Pats this season? <laughs> um, you know, I have been one of the people that I think they could go 16-0 and um, just because they have a relatively soft schedule and the three – Toughest opponents, at least right now, Baltimore, San Francisco, and Houston. Only Baltimore is a road game for them, and we know that the Patriots don't really lose at home in the regular season, so that certainly gives them an advantage with the 49ers and the Texans coming here. You know, if they were able to complete what they weren't able to complete in 2012, I think it would be really fitting. But I also think we'll know pretty early on because that Baltimore game is in week three. So if they're going to lose the game – you know, they might lose a game early. And, and in some ways, I think that's okay. Um, right. You know, I think in the end, the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they're in this for Super Bowls. If, if they do it 19-0, that would be fabulous. But I think in the end, they're, they're in it for rings. So if they were to go 12-4 and and end up winning the Super Bowl at the end, I think they'd be just fine with that. Uh, the Patriots offensive line, Shalise, only featured one projected starter, Nate Solder, in last Thursday's preseason game. We know they struggled mightily. My question to you is, is that now the number one concern on the team, even above some concerns about the secondary and how it sorts out back there? Um, yeah, I think it, it's certainly a concern, definitely. And it is the most obvious one right now. You know, they are, they were down three starters with Sebastian Vollmer, Brian Waters and Logan Mankins. Mankins made his practice return this week. Um, it's very obvious that they're going to ease him back, as they very well should, because he's coming back from an ACL injury, and they do have time to do that. So, you know, they'll ease him back in. Brian Waters, all signs do point to he will make a return to the team at some point. The fact that the Patriots aren't finding him for being away, clearly they he has their blessing. Right to skip training camp. You know, he's an older guy. He's a veteran. I think as long as he comes into camp in shape or comes back to the team in shape, that that's, that's fine with them. Um, and then Bowler is an interesting situation uh, because he was he had a minor procedure, as my colleague Greg Bedard reported months ago, but yet he's still not back on the practice field. So I don't know if they're being ultra-cautious with him or if he still is struggling with that back issue. Obviously, that would be a real area of concern. I think the thing you have to sort of hang your hat on is that they do still have Dante Scarnecchia coaching that offensive line by, you know, considered by many people to be the best offensive line coach in the NFL 
his players love him, they respect him, they know that he demands greatness from them. And, you know, that, like I said, that I think swings things a little bit toward the don't worry quite as much. And it is still early, you know, even even the, when they had the same five guys that they were rolling out on the line all the time for the last few years, even, it took even them a little bit of time to get adjusted. So certainly a work in progress, but definitely something that bears monitoring at this point. Last quick, last Patriot question, Chalice, and we'll get into another the rest of the AFC in our general a quick uh, overview of the AFC here. Um, the defense, Chandler Jones, I thought looked explosive Thursday night. Um, we know that Patriot defense over the past couple years has lacked some of that explosiveness that other defenses in the league have. Um, does the defense overall look quicker to you? Does it look better? Does it look more in sync? And how are guys like Patrick Chung, Devin McCourty, and Razai Dowling uh, fitting in? And what is a young secondary that now has been together for three years or so, which you would think is time for them to maybe take that next step? Yeah, I think the defense definitely has the potential to look better. And where I have focused a lot of my attention, where I would continue to focus a lot of my attention is on that front seven. Um, I've long believed that as long as they are able to get back to a place where they can consistently get a pass rush going, doesn't always have to be sacks. You know, that's not the statistic that you're most concerned with. I think it's just the ability to pressure quarterbacks, to make them uncomfortable, to get them out of the pocket, those sorts of things. It doesn't matter how, you know, if the secondary is the most talented in the league or not. I think as long as the front seven is doing their job, getting to the quarterback, not making the secondary cover for as long, then I think they'll be good. You know, I think one of the big question marks is the health of Brandon Spikes. He missed the first few days of camp. He was back for a week, then he was gone for a week. So if he is healthy and the Patriots are starting a three-linebacker group of Dante Hightower, Spikes, and Gerard Mayo, plus the guys that they're interchanging on the front four, uh, the, the defensive line, I think they could be very good, but it is a big question mark with Spikes. You know, can he stay on the field for 16 games? Is there another playoff team besides the Patriots in the AFC East this season? Um, I think Buffalo could sneak in. They are, I like them better than the Jets and the Dolphins at this point. I think, you know, obviously defensively they did, they spent a ton of money to bring in Mario Williams, to bring in Mark and uh, Mark Anderson. They have a young, talented secondary. They're you know right. pretty good at linebacker. Their defensive line is good. Uh, Fitzpatrick brought in a personal coach in the offseason to work on his mechanics. They have Fred Jackson back as a running back. So I like them uh, behind the Patriots for number two in the AFC East. And, you know, who knows how things fall. If they can win a couple of games here and there, if they get to 10 and 6, maybe 11 and five. And I think, you know, obviously that bodes well for them to make it to the postseason. Talking with Shalice Manziang of the Boston Globe. Uh, Shalice, the Texans emerged, made the playoffs last season. Are they poised with Matt Shaw back, but without Mario Williams, who of course did go to the Buffalo Bills, um, to build on that playoff berth last season and have another big year in 2012? I think so. I really like the Texans. Um, you know, I think you look at how far they got last year with the injuries they did have. Um, and I think it just, it bodes well for them going forward. Yes, they don't have Mario Williams, but assuming JJ Watt, uh, I think he dislocated his elbow. If he's back healthy, he really came on as a pass rusher toward the end of the season last year. And, you know, that offense, Arian Foster and, um, Johnson, the receiver and Shaw, they have a very powerful offense. So I like them 
in the AFC, you know, other than the Patriots. I think Baltimore, you can probably look at Baltimore. I don't believe in them as much for some reason. I just really like Houston. Um, but we'll find out. You know, the Patriots face both of those teams in the regular season. So we'll know for sure how they stack up against those two teams. Well, with Baltimore and the AFC North, Shalise, um, you know, I mean, you can make the argument. and It's very easy to say in the AFC title game last season, uh, Lee Evans catches a pass. Cam Cameron notices that Julian Edelman's covering Anquan Bolden. <laughs> you know, kicker, of course, kicker makes the field goal. And you could say the Ravens go to the Super Bowl last season. But I look at the AFC North. Is that now maybe Cincinnati's division with Baltimore maybe declining due to age? Ray Lewis said, read another year older. I'm not a believer in Joe Flacco. Pittsburgh still has the Mike Wall situation. They're a year older on defense. The AFC North now maybe Cincinnati's division, or do you still think at the end of the day it goes through both Pittsburgh and Baltimore? Um, you know, I think Cincinnati has to prove it. You know, they did make the playoffs last year, obviously, but they are a young team in a lot of areas. Uh, and they, you know, I, I, for some reason, I'm not a huge Marvin Lewis. I don't believe that much in Marvin Lewis. Um, I was surprised that they gave him the contract extension that they did um, a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I, I I don't like Flacco that much either. I just don't think he has that same sort of intangible winner's quality you would find in a guy like Tom Brady or, or you know, Peyton Manning or Eli Manning. Um, I think it's going to be a tough division. You know, I, I really do. I think right now, I don't know if you could predict, you know, I, I think you could make an argument for Baltimore. You could make an argument for Cincinnati, certainly. And then Pittsburgh, they've just been so strong for so long. I feel like you can never really count them out. They're sort of like the Patriots in that respect. Absolutely. Shalise Manzi, young Boston Go Patriots reporter, joining us on the Football Nation Today podcast. Uh, Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos, how much does he elevate Denver this season? Because some on our website, Shalise, on footballnation.com, have uh, picked the Broncos to miss the postseason this year, even with Manning uh, under center. Um, how do you view the Broncos this season with now Peyton Manning as a starting quarterback? I think certainly the better. Um... But it takes time. We'll, we'll find out. We saw last year what a difference it made for the Colts to not have Peyton and how that affected them. But can you bring in one guy, because football is the ultimate team sport, can you bring in one guy and have it make that huge of a difference? I think that AFC West, I don't think there is a standout team among any of them. Um, certainly San Diego for the last almost a decade, it seems like it's a they have all the talent, but they can never get enough wins. Um, Oakland seems like they might be on the right track with the new team that they brought in in terms of the new GM, the new head coach. And to me, I think I'm interested to see what Romeo Cornell does with the Chiefs because they really bought into what he had to say when he took over as interim coach at the end of last season. And now that he, you know, the full off season to establish his culture and his way of doing things, I'm interested to see what they do. So, you know, that division, I think last year the, there were two or three teams that went, what, nine and seven, and nobody did any better than that. So we might have another situation like that this year. Uh, we went through this interview, Shalise, without me asking you about the Jets. Let me ask you about the Jets. Um, Tim Tebow, Mark Sanchez, how excited are you to have this in your division and continue the nonstop coverage of this all the way through December? Oh, man, I have one friend who's on the Jets beat, and every so often she will – text me or message me and say, can you believe this? Can you believe this? And we're sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum, whereas the Patriots don't say anything and the Jets say far too much. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a gray area in between there that both of us would probably prefer to, to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
the Jets, they're, they're a circus. They really are. I, I can't understand why somebody doesn't just step up and say, you know what? Stop talking. Shut up. Let's practice. Let's get better. Let's be the best team that we can possibly be. But they just keep inviting more foolishness. You know, they brought in Tebow. Antonio Camardi is talking about, oh, I'm the second best receiver on the team. Antonio Holmes is saying that, oh, but we always stick up for each other and we're one for all and all for one. But then you have other teammates who are calling each other out in the press. And somebody just needs to, there has to be, I can't imagine there isn't, there has to be some respected leader in that locker room who can say, shut up and let's just play. And if we win on the field, that's all the talking we need to do. Shalise Manziang, of course, does a great job covering the Patriots all season long for the Boston Globe. Shalise, thanks for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Good stuff as always. Absolutely, Alex. Take care. Big thanks again. Go out to Shalise Manziang, Patriots beat writer for the Boston Globe, for joining us here on the Football Nation Today podcast. And next week, of course, in our first on segment, we'll do a brief NFC overview with a guest to be determined. Hopefully, you all stay tuned for that. Uh, second down segment, as I mentioned in the opening, it is where we discuss the biggest off-field NFL story of the past week. Undoubtedly, the biggest off-field NFL story of not only the past week, but this entire preseason is replacement officials. And this week, more fuel was added to the proverbial fire, as NFL executives said they foresee opening the regular season with this group of replacement referees. Now, what's this labor dispute exactly about? There's obviously the money dispute. It's also about how the NFL wants to make a group of officials who are currently part-time employees to the league work full-time. But more than 90% of those officials already have full-time jobs they are unwilling to relinquish because, of course, they can make more money refereeing the NFL part-time and then working their other jobs. The NFL also wants to bring in additional official crews to give their current crews more rest. Of course, the current NFL referees are against this proposal as well because that would mean less games for them, which means less paychecks for them as well. And I just have to say, I think the microphone picked up that. That's a round of applause. Good job for the NFL owners here. I mean, way to stick it to Ed Hockley. You know, these NFL referees have had it far too good for far too long. I mean, Ed Hockley does not deserve an extra seven grand, an extra ten grand. No. These referees are the ones who are bringing us down. They've had it far too good for far too long. I give credit to the NFL owners for sticking up to these referees. Their interests have been catered to far too have been catered to far too much for far too long. It's hurting the league. These referees are the force that may bring down the league. If the NFL owners give in an inch to these NFL officials, who knows what may happen next? The revenues will completely disappear. The officials will be running the league. The NFL owners need to stick it to these referees, and they're doing the good deed right here. I, of course, am just foaming at the mouth with sarcasm. I have developed a deep odium, quite frankly, for these NFL owners who have been handed a gift from God, right? A $9 billion industry. For whatever reason, the American sporting population is obsessed with the National Football League. Nobody can get enough of this damn thing. These NFL owners have been handed a gift from God, but yet they continually overreach. And you look at these owners, you know, the Bidwells in Arizona, 
the McCaskies in Chicago, Jim Irsay in Indianapolis, the Browns in Cincinnati, you know, Al Davis's kids now in Oakland, all of these members of what I like to call the Lucky Sperm Club. They were all born and simply handed a $9 billion industry just by being born. And now they're owning these NFL teams, and they think they actually did something here. They think the league is popular because of something they did. No! Idiots! The league isn't popular because of you at all. As our President Barack Obama would say, you didn't build that business. Someone else did. Oh, I kid. I kid the president. I know those quotes were taken dramatically out of context. Uh, but you get the point. These NFL owners, many of the members of the Lucky Sperm Club, have just been born and handed a $9 billion industry. And with the player lockout last season, this catty dispute with the referees, they continually try to overreach and muddy the waters. There is no need to overreach. Pay Ed Hockley an extra seven grand. It's a $9 billion industry because these replacement referees are a disaster. It is dramatically hurting the product of the league. There is no way in hell the NFL owners can go into the regular season with these replacement referees. They're a disaster. You go through the examples. In the Denver game last week, Denver's first preseason game, a ball was downed at the four-yard line and ruled a touchback. Inexplicably so. In the Atlanta game last week, a referee kept calling them Arizona. That referee, it turns out, was fired from the lingerie ball. Uh, players are speaking out in drones against these replacement officials. Giants wide receiver Victor Cruz is the latest to do so, saying, quote, he is worried about being out there as a player and wanting to be protected as far as call go calls go and wanting to be protected as far as non-calls go. It definitely goes both ways, Cruz said. We just want to make sure that they have the best interests of the players in the league at heart. And Victor Cruz is right. The regular NFL referees go through a deep and strenuous vetting process to make sure they are unbiased, to make sure they will call the game down the middle. These replacement referees, according to several reports, have not gone through a vetting process of any significance. And Victor Cruz goes on to say he overheard an official working their preseason game last Friday in Jacksonville saying his experience came from officiating glorified high school games. Cruz said, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and I agree with Victor Cruz. What does that even mean? Glorified high school? What is that? A graduate league? Freshman football? You know, like, what is that? Glorified high school? You know, is, is it kids in their mid-20s? Do you live in the glory days playing on the high school field over summer break or over winter break from college? I mean, what is that? What is glorified high school? I don't even know what that means. I mean, this is, this is such a disaster. It is such a flippin' disaster. And the NFL owners and the NFL executives have to realize this. They watch these preseason games just as much, if not more so, than we do. They have to know what a disaster this is. And they have to know that just another three weeks or so, or three games of preseason action, is not going to get these officials up to task. It's not. 
You have the most popular sport in the country. You have been handed a nine plus billion with a B dollar industry. What are you doing continually overreaching? Ed Hockley, give him his money. Give Mike Carey his money. Give these guys their money. So you can go forth with the product we all know and love once the calendar turns to the first week of September. These NFL owners really think they're more than what they are. They do. They're overreaching. The overreach last year with the lockout in regards to the players. And they're overreaching again with these referees. What a petty, petty, petty thing. Oh, unbelievable. And it's dramatically affecting the product. Every NFL fan should be pissed off right now. To the, at the least. That this is going on still between the NFL owners and referees. And you should be beyond pissed off if opening weekend comes around and these subpar referees are officiating games and dramatically hurting the product. Here we go to our third down segment. It's the big up slow down segment. I say a statement and then I give my opinion. Big up or slow down. Big up or slow down. Adrian Peterson was cleared for practice this past Sunday. And what was a speedy recovery from ACL surgery on his left knee? Peterson received surgery on December the 30th and will be back on the field about nine months after the surgery. Big up or slow down. It is a wise move for Adrian Peterson to rush back. Well, it's a tough situation because, of course, any NFL player wants to be back on the field as soon as humanly possible. And the Minnesota Vikings, in a vacuum, want Adrian Peterson to be back on the field as soon as possible. But I say, since I'm removed from the situation, since I am not a Vikings fan, since I am not Adrian Peterson, I say slow down. It is not wise for Peterson to rush back from this ACL surgery because tell me a time when rushing back from an injury was ever beneficial to a player long-term. Never, right? I mean, when has rushing back from an injury ever been beneficial in the least to a player long-term in any sport? I understand Adrian Peterson wanting to come back. I understand the Vikings wanting him to come back. But the Vikings have to understand, in a very tough NFC North, Green Bay, Detroit, made the playoffs last season, Green Bay, Super Bowl champions just two years ago. Chicago, many think, including myself, were poised for a playoff run this year as well. The NFC North may very well be the toughest division in football. It's going to be a long season in Minnesota. What is to be gained long-term, or hell, even short-term, for Adrian Peterson to be out there at the opening weeks of the season? It can only hurt Peterson long-term, which thus only hurts the Minnesota Vikings long-term. And it doesn't really help the Vikings all that much short-term either, because even with a 100% Peterson, they're not going anywhere this season in the NFC North. So I say slow down. It's something I understand, sure, but in the end, slow down. It is not wise long-term, or hell, even short-term, for Peterson to rush back from this ACL surgery. Colts rookie quarterback and number one draft pick Andrew Luck threw two touchdowns against the Rams in his preseason debut over the weekend. Big up or slow down, Andrew Luck will have a great rookie season. Well, great, of course, is relative, but in the context of rookie quarterbacks, I'm going to go big up here. Everybody says people will know far more about the NFL and quarterback mechanics than I do. Say that Andrew Luck has all the tools and that his approach is great, and that he is the prototypical NFL quarterback, ready to step in day one, has the general mechanics down, knows how to run an offense, etc. Um, I'm going to believe all those people. So I think he has the tools, and he's certainly impressed 
in his high-profile preseason debut. And something I also like about it, and I also like the situation Andrew Luck is in. We spoke about this a couple weeks ago when talking about rookie quarterbacks across the league. Now, Robert Griffin III, mind you, in Washington actually has had a very good camp thus far. But, you know, I was talking about Andrew Luck a few weeks ago. I talked about how I like the situation in Indianapolis. It's a new head coach in Chuck Pagano, a new offensive coordinator in Bruce Arians coming over from Pittsburgh. So a guy who has worked with a very good quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger and a winning organization over there in Pittsburgh for many years. Um, the remnants of the Peyton Manning era Colts are pretty much now gone. It is a completely new system there. There are some veteran holdovers who chose to stay. Reggie Wayne signed on as a free agent. He chose to stay in Indianapolis knowing what the situation is going to be this year. So you have to assume that Reggie Wayne is not going to be a disgruntled number one wide receiver on a bad team with a rookie quarterback because he was a free agent and chose on his own will to re-sign with Indianapolis. Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis are still on board defensively, and they seem to be buying in to a new defensive scheme and to a new scheme overall in Indianapolis. So... The remnants of the Peyton Manning era are gone, new coaching staff, new head coach, and the few veterans that are held over from the Peyton Manning era seem to be fully on board with the rebuilding Indianapolis Colts. And on top of all that, and granted this isn't intangible, but I like where Luck's head is at. As a number one overall pick in the NFL, he could be on your television screen just as often as Mitt Romney or Barack Obama is in a swing state this time of year. But... He's not. His only promotion thus far has been an internet spot for Nike that ran way back in March. Andrew Luck is keeping a low profile and focusing on football. I think that's a great sign as well. Now, the St. Louis Rams have dropped their plans to play in London in 2013 and 2014, setting a need to focus on negotiations on their stadium lease and ease fan discontent. We want to grow globally says St. Louis COO Kevin Demoff. Um, but we need to make sure we're but we need to make sure we're on solid footing first here in St. Louis. Do I find this refreshing? A member of an NFL front office not overreaching and focusing on the fans at home before expanding overseas. Big up or slow down? Yes, big up. I do find that refreshing. It's good to see a team worried about its hometown base. I think it's inevitable, and we've had this debate in the past on the show, that the NFL is going to expand overseas because we are in a capitalistic society. Nobody embodies capitalism more than these NFL owners, and they have pretty much tapped out the revenue stream here in the United States. Sure, they can move a team from Jacksonville to Los Angeles, but ultimately, a nine-plus billion-dollar industry, most popular sport in America, is not going to grow that much further, even with a move to L.A. They need to move globally. That's the next step here. But I admire the St. Louis Rams for saying, yeah, we want to grow globally. Sure, of course, we all do. But we also have to take care of our fans back home here in St. Louis first. So I think it is refreshing to hear that from the St. Louis Rams. So big up. I was refreshed to hear that, refreshed to hear them focus on easing fan discontent in good old St. Louis. Fourth down segment, of course, it is the Reamer rant. Trying to time to close out the show, and it's fitting because as we close out the show, we are also closing out the career on one Chad Ochocinco Johnson. Now, Chad Johnson called this shot on Hard Knocks last week. He said he was planning on getting arrested on his off day, 
And what would you know, he got arrested on his off day for domestic violence. Johnson was arrested after a confrontation with his wife, Eve Wazada. Wazada found condom receipts in Johnson's car and had a three-inch cut on her forehead she said occurred when Johnson headbutted her in the midst of a heated argument. Now, Johnson denies those claims that he headbutted Lazada. He says he was the one who was headbutted by his wife, but somehow she was the one who had the three-inch gash on her forehead, and Johnson did not have any gash on his forehead. It has since come out. TMZ has uncovered, even though Johnson admitted this three years ago, but still, TMZ likes to uncover all this stuff, that uh, Johnson was also arrested for domestic violence in 2000, so there is a criminal history here. Um, what idiots. Both of them. And I am so glad to hear, by the way, that VH1 has canceled their reality series, which was going to be based on Johnson's marriage to Lazada, who is famous because she appeared on VH1's Basketball Wives series. Um, but I'm glad, frankly, that this arrest for domestic assault is not going to elevate the Chad Johnson, Eve Lazada brand. I am thrilled that VH1 is taking the high ground here. And when did you ever think anyone would say that? But I'm thrilled that VH1 is canceling this reality series. I am so glad to hear that. Watching Hard Knocks last week, it was obvious. Chad Johnson is far more interested in pushing his brand than football. And Joe Philbin and the Dolphins organization made a great move this week, releasing Chad Johnson. And Carl Stansby, Dolphins linebacker, saying he hopes the Dolphins, he is disappointed the Dolphins didn't have Johnson's back. Come on, man. I saw this from watching an hour of Hard Knocks last week. You're around Johnson every day. You should have realized that the Miami Dolphins didn't have Chad Johnson's back because Chad Johnson clearly didn't have the Miami Dolphins back. Chad Johnson was not interested in the Miami Dolphins. He was not interested in playing football. He's just interested in playing football to push his brand. Football is merely a vehicle to push his nonsensical brand. But Johnson has to realize that without football, he's nothing. Without being an elite wide receiver, which he clearly is not anymore, he couldn't play New England last year, he couldn't master the playbook, only had 15 receptions all season, he's 34 years old now, it's done, it's over. Without football, Chad Johnson is nothing. He's another dysfunctional, idiotic, low-grade, low wannabe reality television star at best. At best. Without football, Chad Johnson is akin to the situation. Except, frankly, I'm not even sure if Johnson has the charisma to be in a top-rated reality shows for a couple years as the situation and the fine people down at the Jersey Shore were. Without football, Chad Johnson at his best is another wannabe reality star. Without football, there is nothing endearing about Chad Ochocinco Johnson. There is nothing fascinating about him. He's not a fascinating person. He's an over-the-top idiot. Frankly, it's what he is. And there are plenty of those around. And I am not sure why football fans in general remain so obsessed with these over-the-hill, idiotic, egotistical wide receivers. You know, when Chad Johnson signed with the Dolphins, even after the wretched year he had with the Patriots, and that was clear, I thought to all, he couldn't play anymore. People were excited about that. You know, Randy Moss signs with the 49ers. People Excited about that. Terrell Owens signs with Seattle, who also have Braylon Edwards and Kellen Winslow, by the way. Whoa. Matt Flynn is in for a rough year there. Boy, I'll tell you. 
People are excited about T.O. going to Seattle. He can't play anymore. Guy wasn't even in the league last season. Laxico Burris came into New England over the weekend for a workout. Fans get all excited over that. Here with the Patriots. You think they would know better, right? Oh, look at Plaxico Burris. He's another red zone target. Patriots will sign him for the red zone. Uh, no. The Patriots don't need Plaxico Burris for the red zone. They've set scoring records year after year here. They don't need Plaxico for the red zone. Do not need him. Sorry. I don't get the fascination with these over-the-hill egotistical wide receivers who don't play anymore, who can't play anymore. I don't get it. They can't play anymore. They're over-the-hill egotistical wide receivers who can't play anymore. Nothing fascinating about these guys. They're just as fascinating as the situation in DJ Pauly D. And hell, I'd take DJ Pauly D over Chad Johnson any day of the week. DJ Pauly D at least has better hair. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 12 of the Football Nation Today podcast. As always, feel free to involve yourself in the show by leaving a comment on the show page on footballnation.com. Also, feel free to send me a brief email. areamer at bu.edu is my email address. Follow me on Twitter if you wish as well. We can interact on there. At AlexReamer1 is my Twitter name. Uh, thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy week two of NFL preseason games. Hopefully the replacement referees improve a little bit, but I don't think they will, judging off of last week's performances. Uh, next week we'll be back with an, with an NFC overview and also a more, more commentary on the latest happenings around the National Football League. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next on Football Nation today, next Wednesday.